brand is part of leadership. But too often I hear stories asserting that brand is an expense. Important decisions are made without considering what the brand represents, meaning that they they disregard the mission, vision, and values of the organization. Or they don't think about who the target audience is or why the business exists. Profit is the priority. In my humble opinion, the difference between viewing brand as an asset or a liability defines whether the organization is purpose-driven. I don't know about you, but those are the businesses that I want to work with. They are driven by the good that they do for those they serve by the impact that they make on the community and the life they build for those who help them accomplish their why. Profit is a result. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. This is episode 70 of The Pursuit of Purpose. And on the day that I'm recording this, I also shared post 60 of 60 days straight of posting on LinkedIn. So I've decided I want to take a slightly different approach to this episode than what I typically would. Initially, I was just thinking this is going to be my favorites file for the month of November because I've decided I'm going to take next weekend, which is the weekend after Thanksgiving, off from releasing a show. But as I listened to the playback of what I had recorded, I decided I wanted to highlight this a little differently. It's still favorites because these are my top performing LinkedIn posts over the last 30 plus days. I didn't go back the full 60. So these are just posts that were made in the last 30 days. But I also wanted to share with you what I have learned from 60 straight days of posting on LinkedIn. And honestly, there are learnings that I found from doing 70 episodes of the podcast as well. Here's what I've come up with. Writing as a daily habit is a good thing. The posts are written quicker and the topics are coming easier. I have found the same to be true with podcasting. Finding guests for podcasts now, that's a different story, but that's getting easier again too. My posts have more focus and intention behind them, and I've learned to tell stories in 1,300 characters or less, and let me tell you, that was not easy. I've connected with some amazing people. Many are my ideal clients, but equally as many will be referral sources or cheerleaders for my business. The same can be said for podcasting. I have met and interviewed some absolutely amazing people, people who I would have never met, even though we've never met in person, I still would have never met or had the opportunity to have a conversation with them had I not started this show. I've also connected on LinkedIn with several potential guests for this show. I've booked one client and I've had discovery calls scheduled and I've created a lead magnet and along the way learned a lot of tips and techniques to help me improve on that content. All of that to say, I have found what I want my own clients to have, which is clarity, consistency, and confidence. I'm more clear in what I want my message to be, both on the podcast and within my posts on LinkedIn. I'm doing it consistently. 60 straight days, even weekends. 
that's a lot of work. And it's a lot of content. Same way with 70 podcast episodes in the last year, not quite year and a half, but close. And confidence. I'm much more sure about what it is that I want to say and how that aligns with what my brand stands for. All three of those things are good things to have. So in this episode, I highlight some of my top performing posts. I hope that you'll find value from them and that maybe you'll follow me on LinkedIn to to learn more about what it is I'm doing. I'll make sure that I include a link to my profile in the show notes so that you can start following me there as well. Strategy is not what you're going to do. That's planning. Strategy is what you're not going to do. This is a quote from Patty McCord, former chief talent officer at Netflix. This quote was shared with me during a conversation with a future guest on the show, Scott Miller, an executive with the Franklin Covey organization, author of Management Mess to Leadership Success, and host of the On Leadership podcast. I've kept this quote on my desk since September. Most days I didn't pay any attention to it. Other days I would think about its meaning a little more deeply. Strategy is not what you're going to do. That's planning. Strategy is what you're not going to do. Let those words sink in. They are the exact same words, but just in a different order. And that order changes the meaning significantly. Strategy is an important part of business. It doesn't matter if it's financial, operational, staffing, or marketing and branding. Strategy considers the goals, objectives, and purpose of the business. It is, in fact, a plan for your future actions. And that is the key point. The plan tells you what to do. Strategy keeps you from doing what's not part of the plan. Let's look at this overview of strategy from a Harvard Business Review article, and I'll make sure to include the link to it in the show notes. It says, a strategy is a set of guiding principles that, when communicated and adopted in the organization, generates a desired pattern of decision-making. A strategy is therefore about how people throughout the organization should make decisions and allocate resources in order to accomplish key objectives. A good strategy provides a clear roadmap consisting of a set of guiding principles or rules that define the actions people in the business should take or not take and the things they should prioritize and not prioritize to achieve desired goals. As such, a strategy is just one element of the overall strategic direction that leaders must define for their organizations. A strategy is not a mission, which is what the organization's leaders want it to accomplish. Missions get elaborated into specific goals and performance metrics. A strategy is not the value network, the web of relationships with suppliers, customers, employees, and investors within which the business co-creates and captures economic value. And finally, a strategy is not a vision, which is an inspiring portrait of what it will look and feel like to pursue and achieve the organization's mission and goals. When mapping out a brand strategy, 
It takes into account the vision you have for how the business will be known. It is understanding what you want your audience to know and think about you and the services that you offer. When the unexpected happens, and you are faced with a decision that might be pushing the boundaries of your brand, strategy is what will guide you. It is weighing the pros and cons and reflecting on the plan. Does this decision support or detract from the goal? I can't say that my take on this quote is the exact meaning or intention that Patty McCord meant when she said it, and I am sure that there will be many of you who will think differently about it than I do. Past guest Christina Shali wrote this in the comments. I can't agree more. I have always said to clients, when it comes to business growth, a strategy can only take you so far. It's the planning and process that will get you where you want to go. Deborah Smith-Cook said, My strategy work is around implementation. You have to have a good plan, but the key is making it happen. Otherwise, it's just wishful thinking. And Rayanne Hendrickson said, Love this. Interesting perspective. Definitely made me stop and think. Sometimes it's harder to not do things and stay focused on the things that you actually should be doing. I ask you, do you have a plan or a strategy or both? On November 12th, nine years ago, I presented at Greystone's Healthcare Internet Conference about how the healthcare system I worked for at the time had successfully launched MyChart, the patient portal to their electronic health record. As soon as the presentation was over, I headed for Disney. I felt like the athletes who win a championship, and when they're asked where they're going next, the answer is always, I'm going to Disney. I still look at that day as one of my best days and one of my worst days. It was best because I had reached a goal in my professional career, which was speaking at a healthcare marketing national conference. And it was one of the worst because that evening I found out my dad had cancer. The next several months took me on a journey I could have never anticipated or predicted. Seeing my industry from a very personal and sometimes not very positive perspective. I saw how another healthcare system did and didn't educate their patients about how their multiple health conditions may respond to each other during chemotherapy. My father had diabetes and a heart condition. When he started chemotherapy, there was no discussion of how to keep his blood sugar up when his appetite was gone. By the time he would get his appetite back, it was just a day or two before his next chemo treatment. He had a pacemaker, which meant he was to be on blood thinners. But when he started chemo, he was taken off those medications. When I asked why, I never did get a clear answer, and my parents didn't really understand. As a result, I spent a lot of time on the phone with those providers, trying to get answers. It was stressful, much more so than I felt it needed to be. This made me appreciate the standards the healthcare organization I worked for had in place for their patients. Education in this circumstance is so important. But there were things about my own health system that were frustrating to me as an employee. My stress levels were high and it became increasingly difficult for me to focus. And the stress and anxiety also lowered my immune system. I spent more days homesick during the month of February that year than I spent in the office. 
In retrospect, and after learning more about the role of HR, I believe there was support that I could have received that I didn't, and that my manager certainly could have handled my own situation with more compassion. I did feel supported by my coworkers and many of my internal clients, but the leadership support was lacking. As I look back on that time now, I am grateful for what the not-so-positive times taught me about who I am, what I value, and how stepping into the work you do as a customer or a client shows you blind spots that you may never see otherwise. This experience, combined with my experience of being an advocate and caregiver to my mother a few years later, changed the way I look at healthcare and how I approach communication with any audience one of my clients is trying to reach. I have said this many times. I am completely bought into Joey Coleman's mantra. Customer experience is proactive. Customer service is reactive. Have you been on the other side of your business looking in? If so, what did you learn from that experience? And if not, is there a way for you to get there? Is your brand an asset or a liability? When businesses consider their brand as a liability, it is because they lack confidence in the marketing decisions that they've made. The advertising campaign didn't produce any sales. The website isn't creating any or enough conversions. The video didn't bring people to the website. Why can't we fill our open positions? Why is that? Well, usually it's because they've skipped a step. Strategy. Without a strategy, tactics rarely work. There might be a goal for the website or video, but that goal isn't part of a bigger strategy, or maybe it's not even aligned with other tactical goals to support it. Worse yet, those tactics might be working against each other and the bigger mission and vision of the organization. All you have is a bunch of chatter and confused followers. The result is a lack of confidence in marketing and branding. When a brand strategy is in place, understanding what tactics are needed, how they support each other, and the bigger mission is much clearer. And messages are told consistently and confidently. Brand is now an asset. It's about clarity, consistency, and confidence. Always. One commenter recalled a former client who thought of their brand as a liability and was always trying to win sales around the brand instead of because of it. And another played back the quote, without a strategy, tactics rarely work. She wrote, yes, amen. People so often want to jump to the tactics, the shiny stuff. But don't you want to make sure that that shiny, cool, or fun tactic actually does something? And without a strategy, you won't know what you want it to accomplish or how you're even going to assess if it works. A few days after I posted the question of whether you consider your brand an asset or a liability, I followed up with this post asking again if brand was an asset or a liability to your business. I was relieved that both times the comments supported the theory that brand is in fact an asset. When your brand is an asset, there are standards in place for how it is used. Culture brings it to life. 
It is a filter for every important business decision, not just those related to marketing and communications, but also financial service offering decisions, human resources, culture, and other operational strategies and tactics. Brand is part of leadership. But too often I hear stories asserting that brand is an expense. Important decisions are made without considering what the brand represents, meaning that they they disregard the mission, vision, and values of the organization. Or they don't think about who the target audience is or why the business exists. Profit is the priority. In my humble opinion, the difference between viewing brand as an asset or a liability defines whether the organization is purpose-driven. I don't know about you, but those are the businesses that I want to work with. They are driven by the good that they do for those they serve, by the impact that they make on the community and the life they build for those who help them accomplish their why. Profit is a result. Is your business known for its values? Not too long ago, I found a missed auto ship message from Chewy. I had at least two weeks worth of my dog's food left and I did not need another 40-pound bag of dog food on my doorstep in three to five days, but the order was already processing. I sent an email to Chewy's customer service, included the order number, and asked if there was any way to delay the shipment. Within 10 minutes, I had a note back saying they had stopped the shipment, updated my auto ship to two weeks from that day, and would refund any payment that may have already been charged. This is awesome customer service. And sadly, this was not the first time they'd done it for me. I've missed other auto ship notices before, and it's usually always my fault because the message arrives and then gets buried in my inbox. Chewy is living their values. On their website, it says this, Their mission is to be the most trusted and convenient online destination for pet parents and partners everywhere. Their promise is to always be there for their customers, and happy customers are their top priority. Now, typically, mission statements and promises do not tell us the company's specific values, but they do give us a glimpse into what is important to them. Those three things that I just said, trusted and convenient online destination for pet parents and partners everywhere. They promise to always be there for their customers and happy customers are their top priority. Those are reflections of their values. Chewy is also known for telling their customers to donate pet food that is no longer needed and they don't really care why it's not needed. It could be because the pet owner found out the animal was allergic to the food or sadly the beloved pet has passed away. And when they do find out that a pet has passed, it's not uncommon for them to send a card and even flowers to the family. It is these things that make their customers loyal and in turn encourage other pet owners to try out Chewy's service. They live their values. These are four of my top performing posts from LinkedIn over the last 30 plus days. I did embellish this recount of those posts for the podcast sake because there's limited characters that I can say on LinkedIn. So I had to be a little bit more brief on LinkedIn, but these were my highest performing posts. 
And actually, the post with the highest number of comments, and I think it's topped out at over 90 now, will directly benefit you as a listener to the show. I asked for guest recommendations, specifically for people who are living their purpose, those people who have such loyal followings because they are doing things that are so great that people just want to be part of it. I've been sifting through all the names, and there are some really outstanding people on this list. I'm excited to see what will come of the interviews that result from this one simple question. Who should be on my show? And remember that lead magnet that I mentioned earlier? I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you want to download the mini messaging course on how to make your messaging effective through education, engagement, and empowerment, be sure and download that and then listen to the companion podcast episodes as well. That's also a result of the strategy work that I've been doing to up my game on LinkedIn. I'd love to share that information with you as well. So that's a wrap on episode 70. As I mentioned before, I'm going to take next week off. So the Pursuit of Purpose will be back with you again in December. And until then, I hope that you have a great week and a happy Thanksgiving. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.